Guru Nation, welcome to episode 415 of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. In this episode, myself, Chris, and Monica are in uh, the car driving back from a site, uh, from a meeting we had with a site in LA, and we decided to shoot this podcast about what physicians should know about starting their own clinical research sites. So if uh, we apologize for any uh, funny audio, but it was in the car and we tried to make the audio, we tried to fix it up here and there, but of course this is not being recorded in an office, it's in a car on the freeway. But it, I think the topic's important and actually we're gonna be coming out with a PI Academy pretty soon. So let me know what you think about this. If we missed anything that we should cover, in the PI Academy, just text me 949-415-6256. Also check out links in the show notes to the Patreon channel, uh, patreon.com slash dancefera, five bucks a month, has a monthly mastermind meeting, as well as uh, weekly videos on how to build your business and your digital brand using social media. Also check out the CRA and CRC Academies. And if you need more sites for your, uh, more studies for your site, or if you want to start your own site, text me. We have a consulting company that helps with that. 949-415-6256. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Let's go through the bullet points, okay. uh, give everybody a taste of what we're going to be doing, and then you know, we'd love some feedback. If you don't think uh, we're not including something that should be included, Dan loves to hear an email. Oh, that's actually a great idea. What, what 
what you're thinking, right? So if you think that we're not doing something or covering something, a topic that should be covered or included, please let Dan know. Yeah. Or Chris at theclinicaltrialsguru.com. <laughs> I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or me. Or Monica at So we're going to be covering, obviously, the general responsibilities of principal investigators. So uh, we're going to start by explaining what's the role of the IRB and the um, FDA in this. I mean, to explain uh, so that way the, the PI will understand their uh, this organization role uh, better, and, and they will learn to this also the, the responsibility as a PI uh, and the regulations that, that they need to um, to be sticking to. <laughs> yeah. So, what's the biggest pain point for uh, besides oh, for from your experiences? Oh, you mean the mistakes? Yeah. So I think one of the biggest mistakes is uh, that uh, the staff, including the PI, they uh, they actually don't adhere to the protocol. So they, because sometimes the staff assume things and they don't ask either the principal investigator, or the CRA about it, and uh, or or ask whoever is involved in the research in the uh, from the sponsor side. So they make mistakes, and that's probably one of the most common also FDA's uh, audit findings. Uh, the mistake I'm, uh, I think most of sites uh, make with the, the in, is in relation to the protocol. So they don't have adherence to the protocol. Uh, that sure. they just that, uh, they just uh, because they don't um, they assume things. And when I say this, the whole staff, including the principal investigator, well, even, the clinical research coordinator. Even experienced PIs do this. You, at investigator meetings, you see all the time, they're arguing about the protocol. They want to do it their way. Yeah, they want to do it their way. The thing is, when a sponsor, the sponsor is called the sponsor for a reason. They're paying for the study. So it's their way, not your way, no matter how brilliant you might be. If you want to do your own study, you can do your own study. It's called investigator-initiated trial. But if you're going to be a private industry research investigator... Essentially working you, for somebody else. Yeah, you've got to take the protocol and follow it exactly as it states. The only time you're supposed to deviate is if you're avoiding potential harm to your patients. Yep. That's the only time you're supposed to deviate from yep. the protocol. And PI oversight, as Dan was alluding to, this is a little different than PI oversight, but PI oversight is, is one of the major findings uh, by, well not major, it's one of the most frequently occurring findings by the FDA in the audit. Yeah. So, so PI oversight, we cover that, right? We're going to cover yes. that. This going to be a good podcast episode. What's next? What's next? So another one is um, that sites forget that they have SOPs. SOP, Standard Operating Procedures, guys, very important. So if you don't follow your own SOPs, it's almost as bad as you're not following the protocol in the eyes of a regulator, which is the FDA. And oftentimes these PIs, they're not even aware of their own SOP if they work for a site. Or, you know, sometimes the PI wrote the SOP because they're the owner, but most of the time, somebody like me or Chris or Monica wrote the SOP and then a PI just comes in and they don't understand the SOP. So 
maybe they don't follow it and then if the FDA comes in and does an audit, that's not a good uh, finding. It also shows lack of PI oversight because you're not following your own SOP as a PI in this case. The way the industry is growing like crazy, we just had a meeting with Dr. Al Jazirely and the industry is growing. 2019 was a huge year for research record year. 2020 was on pace for that until COVID, but with all the COVID studies, it's still gonna be a record year for research because yeah, a lot of studies were on pause. Very few studies were actually canceled during this, right? They were just on pause or delayed. Mm -hmm. And now we have all these additional COVID studies. So the industry is booming. We're gonna need more CRCs, CRAs, more PIs, more nurses, more patients. We really need more patients, but we need all these other components as well, more sites. This is why we're, Chris and I and Monica are doing a lot of initiatives to help more research naive clinicians uh, get involved in research. And supposedly that's gonna help getting patients uh, in the studies and all that stuff and diversity and all these things that are important, we're trying to do, but it starts with one clinician at a time. So this stuff we're talking about on this PI Academy and the list Monica has. I mean, show them your list, Monica. Like, you know, this is like four pages. I don't know if we're gonna go through all of it, but like, what's next? What's next on this thing? And this is all important. <laughs> okay, so another thing that we're going to be um, teaching in the um, PI Academy is the office layout and the necessary equipment. So the basics, ah. so that way everybody will know um, the basic things that you need to have in your site to be a working and productive site. So very good, very important. Office layout, office equipment, it's on the clinicaltrailsguru.com. Just go there and you'll see, start your own clinic. It's gonna walk you through everything that you need to know. Um, we also will be discussing about uh, delegation of authority log how that is done. Well, this is very important. Yeah, it's another one of the crucial major findings uh, of the FDA. Yeah, we actually uh, kind of, uh, in our in the in the principal investigator academy, we're going to be discussing a lot of the things that are findings uh, by the FDA, so that way we make sure that the principal investigators know uh, what's the most important. They're aware uh, of these things and they exactly. can focus on them. Another another thing that we're going to be discussing and I mean or teaching is um, the documentation and the recording of the visits. Uh, how important it is to do a proper uh, you know source documentation. Alcoa dash C. Exactly. You know attributable, legible, contemporaneous, original, accurate, complete. PI needs to know these things. But you know, Monica, PI is gonna tell you, let's say a physician's watching right now. Monica, I have a study coordinator to worry about this. I don't need to worry about this. So what well, do you say about to, this? They need to worry about that too. Sorry, they, I was daydreaming. I mean, that's really important. Yeah? Because obviously, the principal investigator. Yeah. Yeah, because at the end of the day. So they would say, well, I don't need to, I have a coordinator, I'm paying them good money. Why do I need to worry about Alcoa? That's their job. No, because the, the principal investigator is going to be doing signatures. The principal investigator is going to be reporting progress very notes. important information, like the progress notes. For example, adverse events or serious adverse events that needs to be reported within a specific uh, time um, in period. 
period of time they need to be aware what the uh, clinical coordinators are doing because I mean if they are the ones the, the chiefs of their own uh, business they need to know how everything runs right to make sure that the staff is doing things properly and uh, and and obviously because if they are the doctors they need to write down really good progress notes to to tell the story of what happened on the visit mm -hmm. what they have to do uh, I mean what they the, what they did on the visit so um, so I want to interject something here. Yeah. So, do we want to scare doctors away from being PIs? No. The wrong ones, we do want to scare. Sure. I guess some doctors shouldn't be in research. So let's let's cover this topic real quick. From what you just said, I think that may scare some doctors away, right? Because it's making it sound like it's very involved and there's a lot of work involved in, in being a PI for a research trial. I mean, how much work is involved for a PI? I I mean, it's a. The answer is everything. The whole responsibility of the study is on you. Responsibility, absolutely. But but the work. Time consumption. Yeah, the time consumption. You're supposed to hire staff, train your staff, make sure that they know what they're doing. These are study coordinators. These are people that do regulatory, startup, recruitment. So if you have all these parts, and really all you really need is a coordinator in the beginning, because the coordinator can do regulatory. They do all the heavy lifting. They do most of the source documentation. Your job is just to be a doctor and to like look over the safety of your patients in the context of a study. So that means reviewing labs, reviewing adverse events, reviewing ECG results, writing progress notes, and documenting what's going on and looking at AEs and seeing if they're related possibly to the study drug or not. Just being a doctor. So would you, just within the context of a study, that's the only difference. So would you agree with the statement? A moderate one study moderately enrolling takes on average probably two hours a week of a PI's time. Yeah. I think so. At most. So you would you would say that's a fair assessment of most trials, right? Moderate moderate enrollment. Correct. Okay. So it doesn't take a lot of time. Right? Correct. Okay. Yeah, we don't want. I get what you're saying. We don't want to scare too many off, but uh, we also want to scare the wrong ones off because there's a lot of doctors out there, a lot of people out there think clinical research is going to be easy money. I mean, we've seen these oh, clients absolutely. all the time come absolutely. and go. Yep. You know, it's the furthest thing from easy money. It's good, solid revenue, and consistent, but it's not easy at all. Right. It's not easy. Right. To, it's not uh, difficult either, though. It's not easy to learn the process of research. Well, that's why we're here. That's why we're here to hold your hands and just like you're holding the GoPro. That's right. All right, Mom. Well, we're going to, to explain doctors about what kind of, how to recruit properly patients for your study. Like, uh, uh, you know, uh, looking at the criteria, the inclusion and exclusion criteria, um, the concomitant medications, the prohibited
talking to the patient about the study and getting them in because really the patient clinician relationship is sacred and the patients really listen to what the clinicians have to say so when a clinician tells a patient hey I have a study that might be a good option for you the patient's more likely to listen than if Chris and I were to tell this patient the same thing because we're not we don't have that relationship so this is a very important for PIs here is not just pre-identifying the patients but also discussing and educating them on what research is and you can of course have your staff help but nothing replaces that face-to-face -face, the, the, the physician and the patient relationship um, and we found from all our clients the best source of patients is what from the physician's own database absolutely that's a good one plus the physician knows exactly how uh, i mean the, the condition of the patient the health of the patient if this patient is uh, in good health and if this uh, i mean to participate in the study or if this this is on the benefit of the patient to participate in the study so i think it's um it's a great value that the uh, doctors uh, have and offer to the research industry. Yep. Um, another topic would be um, how to adequately do the informed consent process. Informed consent, according to GCP. Well, what is it? You know, yeah. what's the process of consent? You guys gotta. So for me, understand out there in YouTube and podcast world. So Chris, what is a good process of consent for you? I'm sure clients ask you this all the time. Yeah, they do. I just tell them to refer to GCP, right? So really, I guess for the class itself, though, um, we would start by discussing the informed consent and why it's necessary, right? Mm -hmm. That was the, yes. is that the plan. Mm -hmm. Why? Why is it necessary? What is an informed consent? That that subject matter. Then how to do it correctly, right? So it's GCP, right? Just itemize what's listed in most GCP trainings, which would be things such as no procedures are conducted prior to the subject signing the consent, subject's given a copy of the consent, all questions are answered, um, they have a good understanding of the study and what's required of them, they are informed they can quit the study at any time, um, and I've the tried to cover everything. The potential risk and benefits right. of the study. They are given a, a quiet place to review the informed consent. Um, they've been given plenty of time. They've been offered to take it home and review with the family if they would like. There's all kinds of things that you can cover. I, again, I suggest going through a GCP training and just whatever that GCP training says. So, are we going to discuss regulatory? Yes. Okay. Yes, regulatory. We're going to be discussing regulatory. And delegation uh, is important. Delegation of authorities. That's where we talked about yeah. the coordinator and all those people that you can delegate to do your studies. Yeah, we're but good. there's actually a form and we're going to talk about regulatory as well. But that just shows the FDA and the sponsor that, hey, I'm the PI, I'm responsible for this study, but I'm also responsible for the actions of all these people on this delegation of authorities log. And I, it's my responsibility to train them as a PI and to oversee what they're doing because any problems with the study is my problem as the PI. The FDA does not hold anyone else accountable, only the PI. We're also going to be uh, discussing with the uh, 
Yeah. Are we going to discuss how to get a study as a PI? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we're going to be. I just mentioned some of the things because if I go through. It's going to be an in depth class. <laughs> <laughs> What else is covered in this academy? This is a good podcast, guys. I mean, we have a lot of things like general responsibilities as investigators according to BCPs. So we got, we're going to go over this responsibilities according to BCPs, according to the FDA, according to IRS, which at the end of the day are kind of similar. Um, but it's important to mention all of them so they know. Right. <laughs> I guess that's a good episode, guys. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Monica. Thank you, Chris. Uh, and thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. And we'll catch you all later. Bye-bye. So, hey, everybody. Thank you very much for listening to another episode of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. Again, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Make sure you leave a review if you could be so kind, please. Uh, and also go to the clinicaltrialsguru.com if you're interested in learning more about who I am, who some of my guests are. Uh, you can have access to some of my YouTube videos. Uh, I do a lot of videos about clinical research. So go to the clinicaltrialsguru.com and you can also call or text me anytime, 949-415-6256. Also follow me on any social media platform. It's Dan Svera. And you can also email me if you'd like, dan at theclinicaltrialsguru.com. Thank you very much.